Hey everyone, well, it's great to have you this Sunday morning. It's the first time in this whole time of social distancing where you're able to gather in your living room with more than just your family. You know, so I hope that you've been able to invite some other people over to join you this morning. If this is your first time joining us, we are glad to have you, just welcome. We've got a great morning plan. Thomas is leading worship for us. We've got Steve Wilkins from All Nations Church who's gonna be sharing the message with us. If you're new, my name's James. I lead Lifehouse with a, my wife and an amazing team of people. We're just so glad to have you with us today. If you are able to, we just want you to use, you know, on your phone, if you can log in on your, the, your phone to the online platform and you can invite people to join us this morning. You can use the invite button that we've just put up on the screen so that they, they, it can be put to social media or you can send an email to people. Or if you're on social media like Facebook or, you, or Instagram, you can just invite people to be joining us this morning as well. Okay, well, let's take a moment. Let's just get ready to worship God together and uh, let's, let's stand so we're ready just to, to be in worship.
first one. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Through the darkness, then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. salvation in your name Jesus Christ my living hope sing verse 2 who could imagine a greater mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of down in glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross, the cross has broken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ. Your buried body be 
silence the roaring lion declare the grace has no claim on me sing it out declare then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. Satisfied and hearing your love say, Oh, there's nothing 
sing, I'm not afraid. And I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you see them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of Your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. One more time we sing. Oh, declare this. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn Turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. Sing it out.
Okay, that was just a wonderful time of worship. We just want to allow God to keep speaking to us and, and ministering to us in this moment. So just, just take a moment with God right now. Let's just pause, allow him to speak to you. Remember he, that he absolutely loves you. Remember that you're his child. Remember how much he cares for you. And God, we thank you that you're bringing us through this season. A week ago, we couldn't meet in groups, and now we can have 10 people in the living room meeting together. You know, we're going to soon be able to even meet in larger groups as a church as, as you open up those doors as well. And we just thank you that you're protecting us and you're leading us through this time. Well, we've got some really amazing announcements for us, so we're going to go on to those right now, and then Steve Wilkins is going to bring us the word. Thanks, James. What's up, Lifehouse Church? We are happy you're here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you haven't yet, try out our new online platform, lifehouse.online.church, where we can connect and pray together. And if you're new today, please stay connected with us and follow us on our YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook page at lifehouse.ca. Links are in the description below. As a family, we want to be obedient to God with our time, treasures and talents. One of the many ways you and I can give is through tithes and offerings. You can give online through our Lifehouse app, which you can download through any app store, or you can also give through our website, which is lifehouse.ca. But if you like it simple and straightforward like me, you can scan this QR code right here. Remember, it's not about how much you give, because God delights in a cheerful giver above anything else. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Now, to Abby to give us the latest news on Lifehouse events. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kirill. We hope to encourage you, our church family, during these times to connect even more than ever. First up, we have our Zoom prayer meetings happening every Wednesday from 7 to 7.30 p.m. on Zoom. See, God's been doing amazing things in and through our community these past three months. You know, just remember to email us at info at lifehouse.ca and we'll send you the meeting ID so you can join in. One of the most important things we value as a community is praying for each other. So if you or someone you know needs some prayer boost, please send your request to info at lifehouse.ca. So church, we are holding 10-week alpha courses as well as our freedom sessions this fall 2020. And if you would like to get involved with leading and helping run these courses, please get in touch with us again at info at lifehouse.ca. Well, it's great to be here and to have Greg here this morning. We've got this amazing announcement to be able to share with you today. That's right, James. And the announcement is this, that Arise City Church is coming together with Lifehouse Church as one new church family. Over the years, uh, Lifehouse Church and Arise City Church have partnered together in many different things. James and I have known each other for almost 10 years now, and we've gotten together regularly to pray and to seek the Lord for what's next in terms of us partnering together. And as of late, we feel God leading us to come together as one church, and through that, that we can have such a greater impact uh, for the kingdom of God in our city. So on behalf of Lifehouse, we want to welcome everyone from Arise to be part of us as of this one new amazing family. And people at Lifehouse, you're going to be thrilled to get to know the people at Arise. You're going to be thrilled to get to know Greg and just the strengths that him and his leadership team bring to us and are going to add to us as a church and as a team. So with this merger, there are a number of exciting changes that will be taking place, and we just want to give you guys a heads up about them. 
One of those has to do with donations. So if you've already been donating electronically over the last couple of months at Arise, you know you've already been making your donations to Lifehouse Church. But now checks are also going to come to Lifehouse Church. So the information for that is, has been sent out via email. But if you haven't got that and you need more information, just email us at info at lifehouse.ca to get all the information on how to donate by check. I still just want to encourage you though, that electronic is the best way for you to be donating, either over through the push pay on our website or using electronic uh, funds transfer through Interact. We also want to let you guys know about uh, your email. If you could check your email for uh, subscribing to the weekly newsletter from Lifehouse, it will give you updates on what's going on in the broader community and different groups and ministries that you can get involved in with the church. Uh, finally, we also want to let you know about our Sunday service. For those of you that have been a part of our Arise family, we've been meeting every other week over Zoom on Sundays, and we're going to continue to do that going forward until we're able to meet again in person. Uh, but on those off weeks, we will continue as well to join with Lifehouse on their online Sunday service. So if you're involved in different Lifehouse groups, you may see people from Arise now starting to join in with some of those groups, so welcome them with open arms. We're going to do a big celebration together in the future when we can meet together again, but right now we'll be doing our best to celebrate this online and electronically. But you know, just welcome the people from Arise. I want to welcome all of you again on behalf of Lifehouse. This is going to be so amazing to see what God's going to do with us together. Well, it's great the announcement the Ontario government made this week that we can start gathering in groups of 10. Because what that means is you're able to start inviting people into your homes on a Sunday or throughout the week and us to truly be gathering together as a church. So we wanted to invite you into our home because this is where Lifehouse started. And not only did Lifehouse start right here, actually right around this table that's behind us, but the early church started in homes. We know that the early church actually met in their homes daily and God daily added to their number. So meeting in homes is a very biblical thing, but I just want to encourage you, it's an easy thing to do. You know, I've been into hundreds of homes, but I don't remember what people had or didn't have. What I do remember is, did I feel peace? Did I feel welcome? Did I feel loved? And God invites us to be at home with Him. And when we invite people into our home, it's just an extension of that. We're just extending God's love and the fact that He loves to draw people into His family. So I want to encourage you, it is an easy thing to do. It is not difficult and actually God works beautifully when people gather together in their homes. So one of the most important things of gathering together is really people getting together, getting to know one another, people learning to love one another. And we do that as families. You know, in this time when we've only been able to gather as a family and watch the service on a Sunday, we've always gathered together. You know, we worship together. And when you invite people into your home, you're able to do the same thing. Kids, parents, everyone together can be part of that service. And then afterwards, it's a great opportunity to just hang out with one another. You can make it a bring and share meal at lunchtime, for example. When we used to have the church meeting our home, we always had a meal on Sunday morning that we would, we would prepare beforehand. Pancakes. <laughs>
I just want to also encourage you that it's not about preparing an elaborate meal. Keep it simple and wherever possible actually do a bring and share because people love to feel included. It's a wonderful way of actually sending the message that we're doing this together. This isn't a production, it's not a performance. We're gathering together as friends and family in the presence of God and it's a joy. So do whatever will make it comfortable and easy for you to be able to actually enjoy the people that you're having over and just to love them. So right now we're encouraging everybody to have people over into their homes to do church at home. But it's really important that you do whatever is most comfortable for you and at the same time that you follow all the government regulations. So right now we know that the regulations say that we can gather in groups of 10. Please let's follow all of those regulations carefully. Let's practice the social distancing. Let's make sure that we continue to wash hands. When we have people over, just encourage them to wash their hands when they arrive, wash their hands when they leave. Let's just be wise about how we go about this time. It's really important that you do what you are most comfortable doing. And if at all possible, because of this beautiful weather that we are now experiencing, meet outside. Right now we're standing in our very little backyard, but it is wonderful to be able to just gather outside, enjoy the beautiful weather, enjoy each other's company, and be safe. That's it for our Lifehouse announcements. Now over to Steve for today's message. Good morning, church. Uh, welcome to... Uh... The church in the uh, in the Cape and in Montreal and the churches in Ottawa and in Peterborough and this morning I'd like to give a special welcome we often have people tuning in from different places from Vancouver and from the UK and from other places and sometimes from Mississauga but this morning we have the privilege of the entire church in Mississauga uh, so welcome welcome to be with us I've been looking forward to being with you uh, initially of course you know we had planned uh, to be down there with you at different times in person but uh, with the restrictions we're hoping to be able to do that again soon but happy to be with you all virtually also happy to be with the uh, the church arise um, with uh, with Greg uh, I've been hearing uh, uh, some great things about you guys coming together um, and about you guys working together in the future and I think that's great I know that God is all over that so welcome it's great to have you with us this morning um, a few weeks ago um, I think it was a few weeks ago. It feels like it could be a couple of years ago. I think it was only three or four weeks ago. Uh, I spoke on four sounds that um, God was drawing my attention to in Scripture. Um, and I talked about the sound of a heavy rain uh, from Elijah. We talked about how this season of COVID uh, was, was actually preparing us for a sound of abundance. There was a sound of the abundance of a heavy rain. Uh, we talked about again in the context of what what's happening in the earth right now we talked about uh, ezekiel uh, from ezekiel 35 and the, the the sound of the rattling of bones and that god was bringing together this great vast army and filling it with his holy spirit and so we heard this we talked about the sound of the rattling of bones and that was bringing hope and then we also talked about the sound from a a, a less familiar scripture of the sound of the marching in trees and how it was the, the angel armies of the Lord uh, looking to bring victory for God's people. And lastly, the one that we're going to major on this morning, we talked about the sound in Acts, uh, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. 
And uh, we talked a little bit about that, of course, which was the, the filling and the sending of the Church of God. Um, and, I, and I talked about th this phrase that Jesus talks a lot about, where he says, He that has an ear, let him hear. And it's this idea of growing spiritual ears. And we talked about how uh, there's lots of people who are trying to hear the still small voice of God, but that haven't given themselves to the loud written word of God. And that it, the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. So the ability to hear God actually comes from the word. It doesn't say faith comes from hearing the word of God. It's faith comes from hearing, but the ability to grow your spiritual ears actually comes from the word of God. And that's why Jesus so often said, he that has an ear that I'm here. He was talking to people about their spiritual ears. And we talked about these four sounds. But then I mentioned this one line uh, in Acts, where, of course, at Pentecost, where uh, they were filled with the Spirit. It was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then it says, and tongues like fire came and rested on everyone. And that's actually what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. I let you know a few weeks ago that we would probably come back to it, and that's what we're doing now. Um, Todd then, uh, the following week, uh, picked up this whole idea of Pentecost and talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, last week we had Jacob um, come and talk to us about the culture of the kingdom, especially uh, in, with the backdrop in the context of all the racial tensions and all the stuff that was in the news. But this morning, I want to pick up on something that I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing in the church in the midst of all of this. I don't believe, as we, we know, that the Holy Spirit is the cause of, these, uh, of what's going on, but the Holy Spirit will use these things to accelerate the purposes of God. And I believe that's what he's doing. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about, you probably guessed it, tongues of fire. Um, we are, uh, as you can probably tell, the background's a little bit different than normal. This is our first sort of Sunday morning coming to you from our creative studio here at Ashfield. Um, a few, a number of years ago, actually, when we first moved to the farm, uh, I was getting the, uh, I was getting the barbecue ready. We were about to do some lamb, and uh, the barbecue was really hot. And uh, Kaya, my uh, one of the twins, he comes to me, and uh, he was getting a little bit close to this, uh, to the barbecue with all the coals. And I said, "Hey, Kai, Kai, uh, just take a few steps back, okay? Be really careful. There's a fire here." And uh, Kai Kai, he was, I think, four or five, probably four at the time. He looked up to me and he says, uh, I have to be careful to touch the, the fire. And I was like, yes. He's like, is it because then I'll catch on fire and then turn to fire and then everything I touch will turn to fire and everyone will call me fire boy? And he said, he said this so quickly. And I was like, um, nope, nope. It's just because it's, it's hot. And, uh, and I laughed and I was telling Sarah about it later on that night. And as I went to bed, God began to speak to me about uh, that the, the stages there, the things that, the guy, that, that he had said were actually true. And I began to just look then in the scripture and to see this theme of fire, which we're not going to trace all of it because it would take forever. It's an extensive theme. Um, but, but all the way through scripture, and I'll just mention a few things uh, to you. Uh, <clears throat> of course, you know that Moses met the presence of God is a flame of fire in the midst of a burning bush. Um, in Exodus, you see that fire came down from heaven. Solomon dedicated the temple and fire fell from heaven and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Daniel's vision of the ancient of days had God's throne as a fiery flame and a river of fire came out from it. 
Elijah called down fire to consume the sacrifices just before he heard the sound of a heavy rain. And there's many, many other examples and pictures that give us a glimpse of what fire is as a theme and as an image in Scripture. But then you, you see that all, in, all the way in the New Testament. And then it comes to John the Baptist. And as you know, John the Baptist is, the Bible says that he was the greatest of Old Testament prophets. It's because he kind of stands with one foot in the Old Covenant and one foot in the New. And he, all the other prophets, all the other ones that you read, they, they pointed and they, they looked um, with curiosity, but they looked opaquely at, what, at, 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 at Christ. But John the Baptist was the only one who actually physically was able to point and say, behold, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And so he's a very important figure. And a lot of the things he said were quite important in this transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. And John the Baptist said this, he said it while he was baptizing people, he said, indeed, I baptize you with water for repentance, but Jesus will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And for some reason, the end with fire often seems to get left out. He, he will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then when Jesus actually comes onto the scene, you see him in Luke 12, and he says this. And again, it's not a very commonly quoted scripture, but he says this. I came to set fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I myself have a baptism to go through. In the Passion Translation, it says it like this, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I long for every heart to already be ablaze with this fiery passion for God. All right, so we're gonna talk a little bit about fire this morning. And we're actually, if you're ready, it's good, we're gonna go fairly quickly. We're gonna talk about 10 things that are characteristics of fire in scripture. And we're gonna go quickly. And the first one is this. If you're, uh, if you're writing notes, um, feel free to type them into our, into our chat to keep people uh, up, to, you know, up to date on the, the numbers because I sometimes forget, uh, but I'll try and remember to, to say all the numbers. But the first thing about this, um, we, we, we read in Hebrews 12, uh, verse 29, uh, it says this, Our God is a consuming fire. And our, the first point is that the fire of God is a consuming fire. All the way back in Deuteronomy 4, it says this, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. And then it gives a context. It says, even a jealous God. So he's jealous to consume all of the areas of our life. And that's why this is the picture that you see in, the, in what was, is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's because he wanted to immerse us entirely so that there's none of us left. That's the, that's the issue of jealousy. It's like, no, I, I want all of you. I want all of me into all of you and all of you into all of me. I'm jealous that there's not bits left over because I am a consuming fire. I, I, I want to take over everything. And the fire of God comes to consume. And I'm so glad that he does. He comes to take all of our life, not just the good bits and not just the bad bits, but all of it. And he comes as a consuming fire. And number, number two is this, is that it's a refiner's fire. In Malachi chapter three, it says this, and I'll read it to you. It says, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can endure Christ's coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. 
He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and as silver that they may be an offering unto the Lord. So here you get this picture that the fire not only is a consuming fire, but it's a refiner's fire. Um, on, in being on lockdown, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, probably not, probably just me, but you can find that all of your weaknesses begin to come to light. Uh, all of the challenges at home, all the challenges personally that we used to be able to be busy enough to ignore, uh, or that we, because of the routines of our life, we hadn't really noticed. Suddenly, all of these things begin to come to the surface, don't they? And it's like we are, many of us find ourselves in this refiner's fire. I know that's been the case for me. And as I've, as I've experienced this, I found myself coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I just want you to refine me. I want to, I find myself not wanting to remove myself from the heat of his presence, but wanting to lean into it instead of away from it. And I trust that we find ourselves in the same boat. I've been trying to see, and I want to encourage all of us to see during this season, this very unusual season, to see the, that when frustrations appear, that when worry or fear or impatience or relational conflict or marriage or parenting challenges, challenges, to see these things as part of the refiner's fire and to come to the heat of his presence. To not just think, see these things as frustrations so that we think as soon as this is over, I can't wait till this is gone. I don't have to deal with this. But actually to, to realize that in the midst of all of this, that God actually wants the, the heat of the situation to cause things to come to the surface so that as a refiner, he can come and he can just take those things away. It's this beautiful picture of the refiner in, old, in, in the Old Testament where they would turn the heat up and as the heat, when it was gold and silver, which is why it mentions this, as they would turn the heat up, the, all the impurities, I mean, you probably, I'm sure you know the, the, the way that it works, but all the impurities would come to the surface. And the refiner would just begin to scrape off all of the impurities. And then after he got them all off, he would turn the heat up again. And some of us have probably noticed this happening, you know, repeatedly over the last 10, 11, 12 week period, um, that the heat, that suddenly he turns the heat up again. And as he turns the heat up again, suddenly a little bit more, you think, oh, I didn't know that was in there. Or I thought I dealt with that already. And suddenly, because of all the, the ways in which God likes to use things, suddenly the pressures of life cause something else to come. And he says, yeah, I want to take this too. And then he turns the heat up again and he want to take this and he says, I want to take this too. And the way that they would know, the refiners, <clears throat> the way that they would know that it was it had become pure, the silver and the gold, which is a beautiful picture, is when the refiner could look and could see his reflection in the face of the gold or to see his reflection in the face of the silver. And that's how he knew it had been refined. And it's a beautiful picture of the process that God has all of us in, and none of us are exempt from this process. It's, it's where, where he turns the heat up and he says, the reason why is because I wanna see myself formed in you. It's not to punish you, it's not to hurt you, it's to take the dross, it's to take all the things that don't belong. And so that I, as I look at you, then I can see myself in your reflection. I can see myself being formed in you. All right, number three, it's a fire of zeal and of passion. Jeremiah 20, verse 99 says this, 
Then I said, it's Jeremiah, and he's talking about wanting to be quiet because everything was going on. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet. I'm not going to say anything about the Lord. I'm not going to speak about him. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. He says, I will not even make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. But he had a problem. His word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And this, the word of God was suddenly in him, like a fire, it says, in him. And he couldn't be quiet. And he gets to the point where he finally says, I'm weary with forbearing, or I'm, I'm tired of this, and I cannot stay silent. David says something similar in, in Psalm 39, talking about fire. And he says, my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, so I couldn't help but speak with my tongue. And so this idea of the fire of God being seen as passion. It's similar with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, where they began to listen to Jesus speak. And this to me is, I think, important for us, and I think it's a key for us, that as they listened to Jesus speak, the resurrected Christ who'd come, they didn't even know who he was yet, but as they listened to him speak, they said this, didn't our, heart, didn't our hearts burn within us as he spoke? And to me, this is, a, this is a way to increase our zeal and to increase our passion is actually just to listen to him speak. Not to do stuff for him, not to get so busy with our lives that we don't have time to listen to him speak. But I think during this season is a time that we can just listen to him speak. And as we listen to him speak, suddenly the zeal and suddenly the passion begins to be ignited again. I think... One of the ways, as I've said, that we can listen to him speak, and I talked about this a, a few weeks, many weeks ago, I guess, before that, but it was just the, the beauty of the Psalms and, and just being able to open up the Psalms and listen to him. As, as you read, as you read through the Psalms, suddenly something will ignite in your spirit, and that's God speaking. And you think, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to meditate, and, I, and I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, what is this you want to say to me? And you begin to chew on this and it becomes him speaking to you. And suddenly you find that his words begin to burn within you and areas where you didn't have a passion, areas where perhaps you didn't have a zeal. Suddenly that's not an issue. And you can't, you become like Jeremiah where you think, even if I wanted to be quiet, I can't help it. I can't help but say something to him. I can't help but say something of his wonder or his majesty, or I can't help but tell other people about him because it's become like a fire that's shut up in my bones. The fire of God is a fire of zeal and it's a fire of passion. The next thing, number four, I wanna say as a characteristic of this, this fire of God, in Acts chapter two, well, I'll read this to you. I read it a few weeks ago, but I'll read it again. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Again, this is a tremendous scripture. But the one thing I want to highlight out of this is this phrase. Then there appeared divided tongues that sat on each of them. And the fourth point is that it's actually an individual fire. The fire of God comes to you individually. 
Of course, he came into the room and everyone, everyone together heard the loud sound. Everyone experienced the wind. But when the fire of God came, the fire of God had to come to you as an individual. What I mean by this is no one can do this for you. It, it, it's, you don't receive the fire by being part of a fiery church or having a fiery wife or a fiery husband or because the culture that you're in is a charismatic culture. That's not the fire of God that we're talking about here. We're talking about this consuming fire. We're talking about this refiner's fire. We're talking about this fire that brings zeal that has to come to you and to me individually. It can't become it can't come by virtue of the people who are around us. There's an aspect of that, of course, and we'll get to that next. But first and foremost, it's a fire that actually separates out and has to sit on your head, has to sit on my head. And my, so my question before I move on to the next point is just, just for a moment, have a look. And I think, again, it's one of the beauties of lockdown, of, of this quarantine sort of weird um, season that we're in, is that... Suddenly, and I've, I've heard this in, in conversation with people, is, is for people realizing how much, uh, for many, for some, how much their walk with God was simply just going with the flow. How much it was just the routine of going to church, of listening to the songs or seeing the songs, of hearing the preached message, and then going through and having a good week. It wasn't bad, some, you know, not in rebellion, not, uh, not moving away from the Lord, but this idea once we can't do all of those things and we're left simply with the strength of our own personal walk with the Lord. And I know that this for many has been a flourishing time. And I trust that while this remains, that this, this moment right now in the Holy Spirit, that all of us can audit and say, I want the Holy, Holy Spirit, I want you to come as a consuming fire, not just to the people around me, not just to my church, not just to my connect group, or even, even and I know you'll hear me right, even my, my spouse, but I want to personally know the individual. I want the, I want the fire of God to rest on my head. I want, I want you to baptize me fully. I want you to consume me. I want you to refine me. I personally want to know your zeal and your passion. The fifth thing is, of course, the counterbalance to this. And that is the fire of God actually requires togetherness. Because it wasn't until they were all together in one place... And it says that they were in one accord. So they were in agreement, in faith with each other. They had all come, one, one commentator says, they had all come to the same temperature in the room. And so there was a unity. Even, even when the, after the fire came, you suddenly saw Peter, then after they all spill out and go, go outside, uh, you, Peter stands up and it says, Peter stood up with the 11. And suddenly there was a unity in, uh, among them. This is important because, of course, with fire, and I'm sure many of us have had, had uh, you know, either fires in our home or had campfires, <clears throat> you can have a fire, but if you take one of those logs out and you set it aside, the fire continues, but the log cools. The log begins to cool because it's no longer unified, it's no longer no longer does it have these touch points or these connection points with other people who are also on fire. And it's funny, you'd think that it would just continue on its own and you could pull them all out. It doesn't work that way. It requires these touch points. It requires these connection points with, pe with other people, other logs, as it were, who were also on fire in order to continue to have the fire move. 
And this has been a challenge, of course. We have to learn ways to do this during COVID. And, but my, my encouragement to us is, I mean, there's a scripture which says, don't neglect the coming together as some are in the habit of doing. My encouragement to us going forward, it's going to be kind of strange over these next few weeks. And we're, we're looking into it as ANC, as I know all the other churches are as well, because the, the guidelines and the rules have all just begun to shift. Um, so we're going to be looking at ways in which we can begin to meet together. And I just want to encourage all of us to, to give our all to that, to find creative ways, recognizing the government guidelines, but to find creative ways to be with each other. And as we're with each other, to not just allow it to be small talk, but let's be on fire with each other. Let's have these connection points where we're actually talking about the things of the Spirit, where we're actually going deep into real fellowship with each other. It's something that will cause our fire to increase, is these fiery connection points that we have with each other. So it's both an individual fire, but it's one that requires togetherness. And number six is this. We can actually fan this fire into flame. And this is part of how we do it. But Paul says to Timothy, he says this, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which, was, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. This is a tremendous scripture talking about the spirit of God that comes to give us power and love and self-discipline. And he says, I want you to fan this into existence. I want you to fan this, not just, not just allow these embers to burn low, but I want you to fan this into a, into, into, a, into a flame that roars. And I find myself, if I am lacking in these areas of power or of love or of self-discipline, I can end up striving, trying to create these things. I just need to get some more of this. But here he gives us a key and he says, you can actually fan this comes from the person of the Holy Spirit and you can fan, you can make a decision to fan into flame the gift of God that's been given to you. All right, I'm moving a little bit quicker now. Uh, number seven is this is that the fire of God is a fire of deliverance. It's a, it is a fire that delivers. In Acts 28, you have Paul, the Apostle Paul, and it says this, Paul gathered a bunch of sticks, and as he laid them on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself to his hand. When the islanders saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, Surely this man is a murderer. Although he saved us from the sea, justice has not followed him. But Paul shook the creature off in the fire and suffered no ill effects. And then they all waited around thinking, Well, it's, surely it's got him. And he was there, he was there, and he continued, and they said, wow, for some reason, God has spared him. And then they thought maybe he was God. But here's this, here's this peculiar uh, picture. Actually, strangely enough, about an hour ago, I was bitten by a snake. I don't know if you probably can't, you probably can't see that. I was bitten on two hands just out here. It's part of the uh, challenges of farm life. Although, to be fair to the snake, I was trying to catch it. Unlike Paul, uh, <laughs> where it happened by accident, I saw the snake and... I thought it'd be cool, the boys would want to see it, and so I grabbed it, but I didn't quite get it where I thought, it, where I wanted to get it behind the head, and of course it turned around and it got a hold of me. But they, they bite hard, uh, and, uh, and I of course got mine off, I didn't have to shake it off into the fire or anything like that, but, uh, and of course we don't have poisonous snakes, at least I trust in Canada. Um, but he, here with Paul, it was a viper, it says, it was poisonous. And he, he was just going about doing his, doing his stuff, 
And it says this, it says, a viper driven out by the heat of the fire. Vipers, the, the enemy, serpents, are driven out by the heat of fire. The presence of God, the enemy can't stay. But then it says this, it fastened itself onto his hand. And I don't know, I, I, well, I know I'm not speaking to everyone, but I know I'm speaking to some people right now, where you know that there's an enemy that's come and he has fastened himself to some area of your life and you've tried to get rid of it. And you, you've tried to get rid of the enemy's approach in some area of your life. I don't know whether it's a relational issue or an addiction issue or a, a personal issue or whatever it is that you know that this is actually an enemy. It's an attack of an enemy. And I believe that there's a key for us here in the fire of deliverance. And that, that, that is that we are to do what Paul did, and that is to bring it to the fire. And that you just, you, you shake it off in the fire. Because he couldn't shake it off on his own. But he had to bring it into the intense heat of the presence of God. I think it's, this is a picture for us. I believe that for, for those who are feeling oppressed by an enemy that the answer is in the fire of God. That's, that's the beauty of this infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit of, and in fire, is it actually delivers us from an enemy that would seek us harm. All right, uh, number eight, Let's just, just a couple more. It's actually also not just a delivering fire, it, the fire of God is a fire that transforms us. It doesn't just deliver us and then leave us a little bit better, but it actually transforms us from the inside out. You see this picture with the apostles when they, before the fire came and rested on their heads, they were afraid, they were backbiting, they were jealous of each other, they had no understanding really of the kingdom of God. They were asking, when are you going to restore, uh, just a few verses before, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had a very natural mindset. And suddenly this fire comes, the Holy Spirit comes and this fire comes and rests on their head. And they are totally different people immediately. They are unified. They are together. They are bold. They have an understanding of the ends of the earth and no longer being locked into their colloquial mindset. This is a transforming fire. It has the power to transform our understanding of the purposes of God. It has a, uh, the ability to transform our understanding of our involvement in the purposes of God, as it did for these people who experienced it in Acts. All right, number nine. We're coming, of course, to Kaya's point, which is that we become fire and everything we touch turns to fire. Uh, he, was, he uttered a prophetic statement and didn't even know it. Um, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about that the angels, it says, um, who he makes, um, and the angels, he says, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Suddenly you begin to see that this, that this, this fire doesn't just rest on us, but it, it envelops us. It, it, it consumes us and we turn into agents of that fire. So that everywhere we go, the fire of God is spread on the earth. This is the fulfillment to what Jesus said in Luke 12, where he said, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. This was the beginning of that. And you and I are the continuation and the ultimate fulfillment of the fire of God. In the Passion Translation, or sorry, the Message Translation, it says this. 
in Luke 12. It's Jesus, of course, speaking. He says, I have come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything. Turn everything right side up. And how I long for it to be finished. Do you think I came to smooth things over and to make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and to confront. This is the way that Jesus uh, uh, um, views this and the power of the fire that he said that he was starting. And then, of course, not only are we the, the fulfillment of, of this and the continuation. This is my last point. Um, uh, point 10, which is that it is also the ultimate fire. In 2 Peter 3, you get a glimpse of this. And he's talking about, he basically says this. He says, well, all of this, the atmosphere, everything around us is going to be set on fire. And the heavenly bodies will melt away in a tremendous blaze. The earth and every act activity of man will be laid bare. And he says, since all these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? He says this, we must be consumed with godliness while we anticipate and help speed up the coming day of the Lord. For when the heavens will be set on fire and the heavenly bodies consumed in a blaze, but as we wait, we trust the Lord's pro proclamation to be fulfilled. He says this, don't you know how we ought to live in light of the fact that all of this is going to be consumed? What he's saying is this, because of the ultimate fire of God, let's live in the immediate in light of the ultimate. Let's realize that, that these things day to day, they're all going to pass away. Even this season that we're in of COVID quarantine, it's a season that will pass in one way or another. Things will go to some, some either new normal or some things will go back to how they were. But as we go, let's live in the, the day to day in light of the ultimate. That's what Peter's saying to us here with this idea of the ultimate fire. And lastly, in Revelation. So again, you see this picture. You see it all, you know, you see all the elements of it in the Old Covenant. You see John the Baptist prophesy about it. You see Jesus say, this is what I'm here to do. You see it then come in Acts. And now you see in Revelation the fruition, the fulfillment of this prophetic picture. When you see the seven lampstands, which it says, which it tells us in Revelation 1 are the church. And walking among the seven lampstands, which is the fullness of, of the church, it says there was the Son of Man and his eyes were burning like fire. And then a couple of uh, chapters later, you see the lampstands again, and they're all consumed, and they're all on fire, and they're burning before the throne of God. This is the ultimate fire. All right, I knew I, I, I kind of went very quickly there through a bunch of things. The beautiful thing is, of course, it's all recorded, so we can all go back, um, should we choose to look at those things and to pray those things through again but the holy spirit is a holy spirit of fire one translation refers to him as the fiery holy spirit um and and as we listen with our spiritual ears and as we hear the sound as i mentioned of those four things as the holy spirit comes to 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 fill the church which I believe globally around the world, the Holy Spirit is filling afresh his church. He's filling the church again with himself. People are being baptized for the first time or filled for a fresh time. 
all over the world right now. And I believe God himself is a consuming fire. I believe that he is a refiner's fire. I believe that it's one that causes us to be passionate and zealous. I believe that it's a delivering fire for those of us that need deliverance. It's a transforming fire. And it's, it's the ultimate fire that puts everything else into perspective. This is what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And folks, I don't want us to shortchange our experience with the person of the Holy Spirit and think of it as just, you know, maybe I, just, I get to speak in tongues and go to a charismatic church. Or maybe it's just about the, the culture that I'm in. I believe that the Holy Spirit in this hour, in this moment, is causing our attention to come back to this, that he is a fiery Holy Spirit. He wants to consume our life. He wants to transform us. He wants to deliver us. And as he fills us afresh and sends us out, that we are then the fulfillment to the desire of Christ himself, where he says, I came to set fire on this earth, and I wish it were already kindled. It is now being kindled, and we are the fire bearers we are those who have become fire and everything we touch turn into fire i hope that this helps elevate our understanding and our expectation of what it means to to encounter the person of the holy spirit and what i'm asking then is for this week that's ahead for us just to take some moments and to meditate on these things and they may not all have spoken to you but i trust at least one of these points that the holy spirit takes it and he causes it to be poignant for me and for you, that this word becomes flesh in our life, that it becomes flesh in our churches, that it becomes flesh in our, in our homes, and in our marriages, becomes flesh for each person. In Jesus' all-sufficient name, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, everyone. It's been great to, to be with you, and we'll see you virtually throughout the week. Steve, thanks for that great word this morning, and everyone, thanks for joining us today. If you're new here, we want to be connected with you. And I know it can always be strange to fill out a form, but if you fill out that form, we've got a gift that we want to send to you. So give us your contact details so we can be in contact with you and we can send something out to you in the mail. The contact form, if you're on social media, it's in the description below on Facebook and on YouTube. Or if you're on our online platform, you can click just up on the right-hand corner, it says connection card, you can, or connect with us, and you can click on that and you'll get the form so that we can connect with you. If you can't make any of those work, you can also email us at info at lifehouse.ca as a way for us to be connected. Well, hope you've had a great time with us this morning. We've also got Zoom chat room, so if you're not there with people in your living room this morning and you want to connect with us over Zoom after the service, there'll be some people there to connect. You can click that link that's up on our online platform to get into those Zoom chat rooms. And uh, yeah, we just look forward to seeing you next week and connecting with you throughout the week. Remember, the church isn't just something on Sundays. We're a community every day. So now that we can get together again in groups of 10, let's be taking those opportunities, inviting people over, connecting with one another, hanging out together so that we can be the church. Take care.